0: Hey, thanks for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. I'm your host Doug Draper with the Denver Transportation Club, and today's guests. We're excited to have them on board. It's a couple of gentlemen from Wheeler Machine uh, out in Salt Lake City. It's Chris Williams and Justin, uh, excuse me, Justin Seminetti. Um, they're going to talk to us about heavy machinery, uh, spare parts management, and uh, how do we keep things moving and uptime moving forward. So. We're looking forward to our conversation today we definitely want to get to know our guests a little bit so maybe we'll just start out there and uh, Chris why don't you just get a get us started and tell us a little bit about yourself how you got involved with Wheeler
1: absolutely Chris Williams I am the general manager of uh, product support operations here at Wheeler machinery been here about 16 years grew up in a uh, small farm in east central Illinois and actually started with the uh, tractor manufacturer, Agco back in the day. And then when they started to get involved with Caterpillar dealers came out West to cover the self West dealers, um, really learning and trying to start understanding their parts operations. Then I started to get involved with Wheeler Machinery when they got a little bit more heavily involved in the uh, agricultural industry. And over the you know time started to work my way up through the ranks and now I'm running the, the whole parts operation here at Wheeler. And I'm also involved a little bit in the service side at our branch stores.
0: Oh, that's great. Great. Hey, Justin. All right. Give us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get involved with this Joker?
2: Hey, Doug. Um, My story is not quite as interesting as Chris's. I started with Wheeler right out of high school. Um, I started as a a pickup driver. I'd run around the valley and pick up parts or tools or whatever you might need for our mechanics here at the shop. Um, Worked my way over in the parks department and Similar to Chris, just kind of worked myself up the ranks and now I'm a product support manager overseeing all of our logistics with the dealership and our warehouse operations that are at our hub in Salt Lake. Uh, Been with Wheeler for, gosh, going on 15 years now.
0: Nice. Well, I appreciate both you uh, gentlemen for joining us today. So um, we'll kind of define things a little bit here because uh, heavy machinery and parts management is a lot different than... Hey, uh, something broke on my laptop or my gaming machine, and I need a new widget. Uh, it's a whole different ballgame. So maybe we'll start and just kind of explain what heavy machinery means. I know there's lots of different verticals from mining and construction. So maybe we'll start there, and then maybe define what parts management means within those uh, within a vertical or two. Chris, maybe I'll have you start.
1: Absolutely. So as far as you know, heavy machinery um, and kind of the way that we that we define that, if you think about it. You know, there's a, a vast number of automobiles running out there the, on, on the road today. If you think about it, when you've got these different verticals, like you said, Doug, you've got very large, everything from an extremely, you know, 8 to $10 million hydraulic mining shovel or rope shovel at some of our mine sites all the way down to your construction landscaper that's got a skid steer. And the I, I feel like the unique... Um, in the industry or environment we're in is that you have everything from that skid steer or a very small mini excavator all the way up to that you know some of the largest pieces of equipment we've got being the hydraulic and rope mining shovels and we've got to as a as a dealer community and logistics supply chain organization figure out how to cater our needs to all of those different verticals to keep our customers up and going which the number one thing for all of us is production And it's those different than a lot of most people's automobiles, the machines that our customers and contractors and clients are running, that's their livelihood. And we talk about that a lot at our dealership to where if those machines aren't running, Those customers, those contractors, they're not putting any food on their tables at home. And that's just something to think about that's a little bit different than some of the other industries out there. So hopefully that kind of helps, you know, define what we mean when we say heavy, heavy machinery.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I told my son, I would ask this question because he said, well, how's heavy? How heavy is heavy? So using that example (laughs) of the shovel that you mentioned, give us some perspective so our audience can get an idea how big that thing is and how much it weighs.
1: Oh, Wow. Well, put it this way, you have to uh, those those machines get broken down and actually brought it on rail cars because they are are unable to be driven down, you know, your local freeway. Um, depending upon the size and scope of those different machines, I mean, your your typical f one fifty is usually smaller than one of you know, than probably, half the size of one of the, the tires on some of those haul trucks or so for that mining shovel, yeah, I would say that at an F-150 is probably about one twentieth the size of that machine. Maybe, maybe I don't know, Justin, you've you've worked up at a mine site. What do you feel as far as per, perspective on size and scope compared to F-150s and hydraulic mining shovels?
2: Oh, you're in a whole different world. I mean, the the haul trucks that you're talking about, you're, you know, roughly 30 feet tall, 50, 60 feet long, 20 to 30 feet wide. um, And the shovels that we're talking about dwarf these things. Um, So, like you mentioned, Chris, uh, an F-150 or even a person standing next to one of these trucks, you come up about halfway up the tire. And just, just the scale of these things is pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. Well, we can check that box off. My son will be happy to know I can come home with some uh, real statistics there. So Justin, I appreciate that. So obviously they're, they're big parts. They're different than what uh, most folks are used to. And that requires special manufacturing. And I'm uh, assuming from our conversations that um, manufacturers all over the world produce these things. And so you, you have a parts, um, network that is not just in north america or not even in just in the united states but it's all over the world so talk a little bit about how um the relationships you have with international manufacturers uh, are important in ensuring that there's uptime with your equipment
1: well one of the things that we have to consider as a dealership always is where are some of these pieces of equipment manufactured doug and, and to your point there these these pieces of equipment, depending upon the vendor, you know, we're a dealer for Caterpillar and we're extremely fortunate that CAT manufactures a lot of things in North America. Now they have started manufacturing different things outside of the States, just like some of our vendors that, you know, provide us with our crushing equipment like Mezzo or some of the other, you know, lines that we carry. Um, One of the challenges, especially when you think about uptime logistics that all of these manufacturers face are... How much inventory or investment in those parts and an inventory can they put in different areas of the globe, depending upon the demand and the needs that are out there, because it's extremely expensive to put very high dollar parts scattered in every location for just in case there's a downtime situation. But when you think about the fact that a hydraulic mining shovel you know, a primary loading tool at one of our biggest mines that can cost upwards of $10,000 an hour in downtime. They have to really balance that strategic investment, you know, and so that's, that's one thing that we all have to, to consider and be thinking about. But, you know, as, as these manufacturers do consider those things, one of the biggest things that plays into and into those considerations are the data analytics and how they look at it and, and internationally I think when you're, if if a good example for us, and we have the luxury, if the part is within North America, for all of us, we can get that part. I mean, over the trucking system that's available to us in North America, you can probably get a part almost anywhere in about 48 hours, minimum. Most of the time, you can even probably get it in 36 hours. If it's outside of the United States, for example, over in Europe or somewhere like that, then you're talking a week. Which even in today's world, Justin and I were we're talking about this a couple of days ago. It's pretty incredible that you can get a part that's, you know, of size and scope, very heavy still within the United States or to the United States within a week. But if you just start to calculate up those dollars at $10,000 an hour, when a primary loading tool or a mining shovel is down, you can start to think about how expensive that becomes for some of our customer base.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can appreciate that. So there's a, a variety of questions I was going to jump into, but I think a lot of these are going to be answered through kind of a uh, a process we'll walk through. And you guys refer to it as alternative option sourcing, right? It sounds kind of a, a big term, but it's really like, what the hell do we do when something breaks, right? And, uh, and I think it'd be good to kind of walk through that a little bit because it's not just something uh, malfunctioned or something broke, get a new part and get it there as fast as you can. Obviously, you're looking to manage um, your money and make sure that you find the closest part available. So maybe we just talk a little bit about the alternative option sourcing kind of checklist that you guys go through um, to ensure that uh, everything's up and running.
1: Absolutely. Um, and you know what? I think it would be great to to have Justin kind of walk yeah. us through because just Justin has dealt with Justin's actually had an extensive knowledge in, in our field service operations here at Wheeler Machinery. And when a field service technician goes out to a machine and the machine is down, and for example, we don't have that part readily available, You truly have to come up with alternative solutions because again, at the end of the day with uptime logistics, it's all about putting the piece of equipment back to work to help the customer produce. So what I'll have Justin kind of walk you through is these are the steps as far as when the, when the exact part isn't available, what do you do to try to provide that solution to your customer base to get them back up and going as quickly as they can.
2: Go ahead, Justin. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Um, we actually dealt with uh, one of these just, just yesterday. Um, we have a, a customer's machine that had a failure in the transmission, needs a new uh, a gear for the drive shaft. And we're asking ourselves these questions. What what can we do because um, our supplier is telling us that gear is going to take us another month to get. <clears throat> so, I mean, you kind of go to your standard list of questions for the technician. Is it something that you could potentially reuse until we get the new part in? Um, in this case, no, that could cause a catastrophic failure and make it even worse. So that's off the table. Um, you reach out to some of our fellow dealers in the area and just ask them, hey, does anybody have this part? We have a machine down. Um, sometimes we'll shop around on the internet, go to machinery trader looking for used parts. Um, obviously, that's not our ideal scenario as being a dealer and wanting to sell our product and premier products. But ultimately, the customer's machine is down. We need to do whatever it takes to get it up and running.
1: Yeah, that's great. Oh, Do I, know I miss anything there, Chris? That- no, and and as a last resort, just so everybody's aware, Doug is, you know, when we talk about different verticals, you know, whether you've got power generation, where it might be a hospital with a backup generator that you're trying to find a part for, or whether it's a skid steer, sometimes, you know, your last resort is that you actually trade out that piece of equipment oh. with an accommodation machine, as we call it, right? But as we discussed, when you're bringing in a hydraulic mining shovel that takes 17 train cars you know, to actually assemble and it takes two to three weeks to assemble, that's not an option you have when you're talking about the very, very large mining equipment.
0: So whenever you're going through those uh, uh, that checklist, so it sounds like there's a database where you could pull up and say, hey, we have a uh, uh, XYZ machine in uh, Wyoming and the flux capacitor just exploded. And we need to find another one you can quickly identify through uh, a mapping system or something to figure out where that closest part is. Or are you guys on the phone making phone calls and, and jumping online? Tell us about how you can quickly find that flux capacitor that just exploded.
1: So it depends on the um, on the piece of equipment and on the manufacturer, on how which which set of technology you use. Um, With Caterpillar we're extremely fortunate to where they have tons of systems available to us to where we actually are able to pull up those systems. And look in the in those you know the technology solutions, they have available to pull that up when you have some smaller manufacturers that are for other lines that we carry. um, Like you said Doug it gets back down to you do whatever is available and a lot of times that's just picking up the phone. And having the the resources and the contacts that you've put in place with other dealers through or distributors throughout North America, and that's that's who we call. And we you start to understand who are you know who carry more inventory or or more parts than other distributors, and you start to get you know build those relationships to to come up with those solutions for your customer base.
0: Gotcha. Do you ever go out of the uh, the uh, Caterpillar uh, network to find a part? I mean, has there ever been a situation where I, I think Justin alluded to it, where you go online uh, to uh, to online sources, and it, it's not really a pa, uh, a cat piece of equipment, but it's a stop stopgap, and you need it now. Um, or you're, For you're sure, reach out and, do and I think
1: absolutely, Doug. I mean, when it comes to uptime logistics, which again is the focus and the discussion of the call, I mean, we. we teach and train our employees to make sure that they're working on providing that solution, whatever that option is to get your customers up and going. I mean, if you really think about the kind of the three facets that we're talking about on our call here, in a perfect world, you know, you'd know, you have every part Possibly readily available at our dealership. Well, I mean, just back to business. I mean, we can't carry every part out there, nor can Caterpillar or any of these other vendors carry it. So, what you do is everybody tries to balance it, the very best they can, based off of the data analytics and the things that they've researched and understand that that wear and and how they wear, and try to put that stuff on the shelf. But when you don't have those solutions available, you got to come up with alternative ideas. And we've we've gone out to eBay, Google. We've you know researched other dealers. I mean. When it is in the alternative option space, we've actually parked, you know, we've gone out found used pieces of equipment and and taken, you know, parts off of those. I mean, you figure out a solution to get the customer back up and going. That's what that's what our job is. Yeah,
0: Yeah. good, good. I'm sure there's I'm sure, Justin, you got tons of stories about interesting times out in the field for sure. So let's talk about um, preventative maintenance. Right. We talked a little bit about if something does fail, how do you. uh, fix the problem, and where do you source the the, uh, the products? But I know there's technologies out there that are evolving that can help do um, you know failure detection systems and things that are on the machinery that will give you a preemptive, hey, this thing is about to go down. You need to start sourcing or do some type of preventive maintenance. Talk a little bit about some of that technology that's out there nowadays.
1: Sure. Justin, do you want to speak to some of that stuff that you guys dealt with in the field a little bit on some of the technology that's on the newer machines and, and how we're starting to utilize some of that?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Caterpillar has a product that that we can install on in all of our, at least like Chris said, the newer machines that gives us live feedback on what's going on. It'll tell us if there's any active codes, it'll even tell you you know, how much fuel the, the machine is burning and at what, what rate. Uh, and it'll tell you when it is, how much it's getting utilized, uh, when the last time it was used, all sorts of data points. Um, and we have a team here at Wheeler that, that monitors these machines for customers. And if they see something abnormal, they're making a phone call and saying, hey, you might want to check this. You might want to check this. Um, you're due for an oil change next week. Do you want us to go ahead and send your filters out to you? Just all, all sorts of things like that where we're trying to be the easy button for our customers. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And
1: if you think about that, um, Doug, really, what, it, what just just so you're aware doug what that's like is it's just like i mean it's really like a health assessment right i mean your doctor checks your blood pressure and those kind of things like it's the same thing we're trying to look at these machines and have kind of a health card for them and then understand how do you use that information to actually help make better business decisions right so from a parts management perspective that where we're trying to use that in the data analytics space is trying to really gather that information and then help us with better stocking decisions, try to, you know, put things at our different locations and try to, you know, help the uptime and the, and the production of those machines be better because of the information you're gaining from them, Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like spare parts are potentially hard to find. So are good technicians. Right. So um, has the technology involved where you can do and I, I guess for lack of a better term virtual repair where you could have somebody, whether, I don't know if they put on optics or they go out on the site and you're like, hey, go look at the red wire and move this around, where an experienced technician uh, wouldn't necessarily have to go to the site, where there's just some general maintenance or preventative that somebody that uh, can provide direction from a control tower, if you will. Um, Has that started to evolve? Is that um, type of technology out there
1: it definitely is continuing to involve. we We have tested different systems here and there, Doug. Um, currently at our dealership, we're utilizing FaceTime a lot more, you know those type of applications right now. And as these other software systems continue to enhance and develop, I mean, I definitely see in the next three to five years, I mean, we're going to be utilizing that type of of systems and software to help um, less experienced technicians repair the the equipment with, you know a much more experienced technician behind that camera that computer whatever and helping them repair those and it's it's not that far away by any means we've definitely been trying it and testing it in different areas of our dealership
0: yeah yeah that's great yeah for sure And that's a perfect segue kind of into the the uh, the next topic was really um, you know five years out I like to refer to that as um, you know what what are things looking like five years out what are some like future trends that you see obviously you know um virtual tools to uh allow efficient repair what other things are are coming down the road and even if it's 10 years out and it's kind of cool stuff that's uh, eventually going to hit talk to us a little bit about the future of uh, of parts management
1: well if you think about one of the biggest challenges we face in the parts world is the fact that in a perfect world for parts Every customer would be utilizing these parts, and you would keep that turnover to where the parts are coming into your shelves and they're going off your shelves you know, at a very rapid pace, right? The challenge is, is those, those very high dollar, slow turning, as they would say, parts are the ones that are the, the huge challenge. And I mean, everybody has started down the path of trying to better understand 3D printing. How can it help, you know, in the heavy equipment space? And I would say, I mean, who knows, in the next five to 10 years, there's probably going to be a lot of opportunity that, that will continue to evolve to where right now, you can use data analytics to a certain level to help you plan your inventory on the shelf and get you to a certain point but what you can't plan for is when that operator backs a haul truck into one of those primary loading tools and you're trying to find parts that you would never ever use from a maintenance or a preventative maintenance perspective but are actually built when you actually produce the machine what if, I mean, what if five to 10 years from now, we're able to 3D print that instead of having to have one or two of those, you know, s- entire frames or undercarriages or structures for these large machines just sitting there readily available. And that, I mean, I definitely think that's going to be a game changer in our industry to both help all manufacturers, dealers, distributors deal with the excess inventory that to your point ties up cash and all kinds of things i think that technology and 3d printing and stuff is really going to help us you know become more efficient as an entire supply chain logistics network
0: yeah yeah and i think that to, to your point chris that's a lot closer than, than people may see i don't know if there's going to be a 3d printer at every job site but you know maybe there is you can't 3d print you know a gigantic shovel but certainly small bits and pieces is uh, is something that's it's coming down the road, so it's been great. For I'll sure, tell you I, what, from I think, it, yeah, go ahead. Well,
1: I was just going to say, I think the other thing that that is really, I think, continuing to evolve all the time is like Justin was referencing with the the information and the data that the machines are providing to us to help be more prepared for for the parts and things that are going to need. I think that's going to really evolve over the next three to five years to help us with better planning and and more efficient you know, parts stocking for all these machines down the road.
0: Yeah, it's funny that the common theme between a lot of these uptime programs is data analytics. If you have data, you can analyze it and get it in the right hands to the right people at the right time. Uh, the amount of efficiencies that you can gain in any industry, uh, from what we've seen on our uptime logistics uh, shows is absolutely amazing. So um, it's exciting to, to hear that it's uh, uh, alive and well in the heavy machinery industry as well. So I'll tell you what, Justin, Chris. I can't thank you guys enough for coming on to Uptime Logistics today and telling us a little bit about your business and and how you keep the world moving forward. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, thank you, Doug.
0: All right, well, thank you. I'd that. like to yes, thank I our audience. For... Oh yeah, for sure, Justin. No problem. Thank you. And I'd also like to thank our uh, audience today for joining us at Uptime Logistics. Of course, it's powered by Cap Logistics. You can find more information about the show in the description below. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the uh, the channel. And please visit caplogistics.com for all of your logistics solutions. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.